0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation, an episode dedicated to celebrating International Women's Day with our special guest, Zarina Kanji. Based in London, she is the head of business development for health and wellness and food and beverage brands at Alibaba. She previously served as VP of global fashion brand partnerships at Lazada in Singapore, bringing a wealth of knowledge to our conversation today. We discuss Tmall's International Women's Day, what the most sought-after products will be among women in 2022, trends in the F&B category, discussing and understanding the surge in demand for sleep supplements, other health and wellness trends from the West that will soon impact the market in China, as well as some of the UK and Nordic products making an impact there now, and lastly, we talk about what the Gen Z female consumers are looking for compared with their millennial or Gen Y counterparts and how those differences vary across the geographies of the Middle Kingdom. Enjoy.
1: Being more aware of their bodies, female consumers are struggling with sleep. And there's a trend in China going on called lying flat, where Chinese are looking towards just slowing down and taking up hobbies like yoga, like plant care, like going for tea in Zen tea houses. They've got this real kind of cacophony of different trends that are appealing to them as young females in China. And it's so different from the past. The Gen Z, the millennial, and even the alpha consumer in China, who is very quickly going to become a really dominant demographic, it's going to be such an interesting category to watch going forward.
0: Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half the world's under-30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market no globally-minded brand should ignore. But entering markets like China is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Zarina, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Hi, Todd. Great to be here today. Thank you for having me on The Negotiation.
0: We're happy to have you. If we could get maybe a quick introduction of you and how you came to work for Tmall and be involved and became an expert in the e-commerce space in China.
1: Absolutely. So um, my background is actually in fashion. Um, So I studied fashion and was a buyer for around 10 years. I then went out to live in Singapore. Where I did business development for um, fashion and sport brand partnerships. And I was working for a company called Lazada, which was building e commerce in Southeast Asia. And then in 2016, Lazada was acquired by Alibaba. And in 2018, I decided to move back to London, where I'm from, and um, I was put into the health and wellness and food and beverage team. So I currently lead business development for those categories uh, for brands from Europe um, wanting to go out to China and sell to Chinese consumers on Tmall Global, which is um, China's largest B2C cross-border e-commerce platform and the home of brands in China.
0: This is going to be a special episode focusing on International Women's Day, or at least becoming a major part of this podcast. Are you able to share, give us a little teaser onto what kind of promotions Tmall has planned for the International Women's Day holiday?
1: Sure. So Women's Day or Queen's Day, as it's often referred to in China, is a really big moment in the Chinese shopping festival calendar. Um, it's actually the third largest shopping festival of, of the year behind 11.11 11 and 618 Summer Campaign. And it's a really unique opportunity for brands to engage with women across China. And brands can really lead the way from hosting influencer parties to releasing limited edition product launches and basically celebrating all things female. Um, in terms of what the plans are for this year, they're still super top secret. However, um, I can share this, a few examples of what some brands did last year. Um, we had um, a British brand, um, Vitabiotics, from the UK. It's the UK's number one uh, vitamins um, brand. They transformed their Timor Global homepage to make it more female orientated in the 2021 um, Women's Day campaign. And they launched a film that showed the really close bond held between mother and daughter and also launched an interactive game um, and then launched a special mother Daughter 38. So Women's Day Festival Vitamin Bundle. So it's really tapping in to the Chinese Chinese consumer growing demand for uniquely packaged limited edition goods with a real female focus on the content. Um, next, um, the second example would be um, the Bottle Club, which is a seller of um Alcohols um, in the UK, they have a Timor Global store. Um, They held an influencer party at the Sofitel in Shanghai to promote the rose and Sauvignon Blanc ranges from California based um, Dow Vineyards. So what they did was create um, some really unique video content to educate female Chinese consumers about Dow Vineyards and about the story that was broadcasted at the event. So it became an experience, but also educational and really fun because all of the influencers were, were all the women gathered there together having a really great evening. And then finally, we we went fully educational um, using key opinion leaders um, with beauty tech brand Current Body. Um, they are most famous for their LED face mask, which completely transforms your skin. Um, so what they did was engage with 50 different key opinion leaders um, who could explain to the female consumers the benefits of using their LED technology um, to transform the skin. And that meant that they were being able to be educated and women could engage with that product, learn all about how it works before they purchase. And that's a really common behavior in China is that consumers want to really thoroughly understand the brand and the product and how to use it, the science behind it um, and the efficacy before they make a purchase. So really interesting ways of engaging women on Women's Day. Um, And we expect to see much more of this in the 2022 campaign
0: that's a lot of research there's a few things i wanted to touch on in what you just said there one i'm very curious what it takes and i know you're not a ui designer so i won't ask you about this but two Create a page that is more female oriented. That is almost an entire podcast I'd like to dive into with a UI designer of how they're doing that, what they're doing, whether it's color schemes or I'm assuming the products being shown on the page are more female oriented as well. But that's really interesting. I also want to touch on real quick for, for people unfamiliar. The reason we're using numbers when we talk about holiday specials is if you hadn't guessed, they refer to dates. So singles day is November 11th because it's 1111 and that's four ones and those it's a single digit and the whole thing. Uh 618 that's June 18th. Um and then as you referred to uh International Women's Day or as you said Queens Day, which I didn't know, thank you for teaching me something, is March 8th or so they call it eight So they they will call these holidays or these shopping bonanzas by the actual number of the date, just using the month and day. 618, 38, 1212. Eleven, eleven. Just so our audience is is familiar with what we're talking about there.
1: It's easy when you know how.
0: It is. And it's (laughs) it's very simplistic. And I I actually appreciate that. Can we maybe talk a little bit about what items maybe in the health and wellness space are really going to be top of mind? Perhaps you've got some data you're starting to forecast and start to understand just through search and whatnot. What are the items that are really going to be top of mind for female consumers in China in 2022?
1: Absolutely. So um, some of the most top selling categories will include beauty supplements with a real focus on inner beauty, anti-aging, slimming, as well as preventative supplements. Um, the China health and wellness industry is Estimated to grow by 19% from 2020 to 2025, up to 145 billion US dollars. And much of this will cater towards China's 685 million women. So, five major trends actually that we are predicting to be really successful for Women's Day this year. Um, The firstly is inner beauty. In China, what you put in and on your body absolutely matters. And they work very preventatively versus reactively, which really harks back to the, the effects of um, traditional Chinese medicine, TCM. Um, it still remains really relevant to modern living. And many of the ingredients that are used in TCM are being increasingly found in beauty products as part of this beauty from within trend. Um, The second trend is beauty tech. Um, So I just mentioned um, current body earlier, uh, but we also see that facial toning and skincare devices, they had a 45% year-on-year increase um, for the 618 Festival in 2021. Um, And one of the best examples we have is a brand called Smooth Skin. Um, It's produced by a company called Sidon in Wales in the UK. Um, And it's an IPL hair removal device. Um, they've been working with um, Timor and Timor Global for uh, five years now, and today, 95% of their revenue is coming from exports. Its main markets are in Asia, and their revenue has climbed from 17.5 million in pounds in 2016 up to 94 million pounds um, in 2020. So, selling in China has become really transformative to their entire business. Um, what I love about their one of their key stacks is that on their 2020 um, live stream that they did for 11.11 Global Shopping Festival, they had 103 million Chinese consumers tuning in to watch their sales director talk with a key opinion leader about their products and selling to women in China. If we compare that, the 2021 Super Bowl was watched by 96 million people. So we have more people in China tuning in to watch an IPL hair removal device live stream than watching the Super Bowl. Um, So it will come as no surprise that Smooth Skin was actually one of the top 10 brands globally selling into China during 11.11 Global Shopping Festival um, on 2020. year. So beauty tech, massive, massive trend and still very much growing um, thirdly, we look at probiotics. I think the whole world is talking about gut health. Um, and in China, the probiotics category grew by 70% in 2021. It's increasingly popular as part of the trend of inner beauty, um, but it's more younger people who are coming towards it and looking at ways of living a healthier life. Um, Very much centred so far around gastrointestinal probiotics, Um, but Chinese women are really, really looking for probiotic products that will cater towards um, more female health issues, Um, particularly at a young age, again, preventative rather than reactive to treat the female microbiome. Um, And it's it's a market that we expect to really grow. The probiotics market in China is forecast to reach a billion US dollars uh, by this year, 2022. Uh, The fourth trend is fascinating. Um, We anticipate that we will see huge sales again in sleep supplements. Um, It is the number one health concern in China, uh, particularly women. Um, According to a report by the Chinese, um, the Sleep Society, they found that more than 300 million people in China are suffering from sleep disorders. And the sleep economy has almost doubled in size between 2015 and 2020. Um, it's reaching around 62 million US dollars. And it is expected to continue to grow because it's it's also coming through and it's younger women who are really suffering and fueling this rise in demand for the sleep aid market. Um, Timor Global saw a 250% growth in sleep management sales during 11.11 Global Shopping Festival in 2021. So we expect Women's Day to be even more focused on that. If you think women are leading increasingly more busy lives, um, they are many more in the workforce, um, as well as raising children and, and Being sort of the responsible person for the entire family, as well in China, as well as for their parents and their grandparents, because that is the way that they work there. They still very much care for the entire family. Um, So increasing pressures on women to to get more sleep, but increasingly struggling to sleep. Um, But there's a really cool trend that goes in with that. Um, We've got. We've got this across a few sectors, but I really love the one example in sleep is um, we're seeing a a trend called punk health. So um, Chinese consumers are sort of looking towards traditional Chinese medicine and sort of retro products that would have been available and looking for them to provide nourishment and wellness. And so what they're doing is they're taking um, traditional products such as ginseng or juju or chrysanthemum, and then they're flavoring that with royal jelly which obviously comes from honeybees. Honey, honey, of course, a very traditional supplement. And they're creating these drinks that um, are called Punk Yangshan. So basically, the traditional Chinese medicine products that their grandmothers, their mothers would have drunk, the Chinese consumers are now drinking them to kind of put a Band-Aid on their lack of sleep. So you get people over 40 who are drinking, you know, goji berry tea to stay young, whereas the Gen Z, the millennials, are buying these new Punk Health Yangsheng bottled beverages um, that are new to the market, that are now infused with things like goji berries and chrysanthemum and ginseng to make up for their lack of sleep. So you've got Chinese people living by this mantra of stay up late, and then use the most expensive skincare products, drink the best functional drinks to compensate for that lifestyle. So it's this trade-off that they're now working with because of the sleep issue in China. Um, And the fifth trend is very much we um, are seeing a real, real rise in sportswear. So from yoga wear to athleisure, um, women in China are really coming to this trend. um, And yoga in particular, we saw a 200% rise in sales of yoga and athleisure wear in 2021 on Tmall and Tmall Global. And if we look at some of the brands that are going into the market, we've got uh, brands such as Sweaty Betty from the UK, which is a female focused um, athleisure brand whose uh, mission is to empower women through fitness. Um, We've got Lululemon from Canada, whose site completely crashed um, during the uh, Beijing Winter Olympics opening ceremony as a Canadian athlete paraded out and Chinese consumers quickly got online to try and buy the outfits and then also many Chinese local brands um, one really great example would be Anta um, which is dubbed the Nike of China Um, we see Eileen Gu who is a freestyle skier from China she is fronting their campaign and really And to want to encourage more women to participate in sport. Um, So it's really fascinating to watch this growth of the health and wellness industry in China, particularly amongst women, because it's impacting purchase behavior across many categories, from health supplements, to food, to cosmetic, fashion, sporting goods, you know, and then even stretching further to luxury, to tourism, to to even cars. So it's a really, really exciting space to watch, particularly for Women's Day.
0: That's amazing. so much in there <laughs> I just I I'm like oh I want to ask about that oh I want to ask about that I,
1: that's China right we could talk about China for like a year and still not cover everything
0: agreed agreed I was I mean honestly a little bit disheartened to hear how much of a problem sleep is mm-hmm. especially like I've you know having lived in China I know that women run the roost mm-hmm. right um that that's the way that it operates in China and uh, women handle everything and they also control the finances which a lot of brands need they yes. go to china as well but i didn't know that they were having so much trouble sleeping and you mentioned you know you you have this six to one right you have the two sets of grandparents then you have the parents and then you have them and and if they're the only child and of course now women are just just rampaging through the workforce as well now becoming ultra professionals on top of everything else that they have to deal with so it kind of makes sense, but it is a little bit disheartening to hear. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that so many young people in China, uh, young female in China specifically, are, are having so much trouble sleeping. And that's one of the best things you can do for your health is sleep. I think any time in North America or the Western world, when we get sick, what do we do? We sleep, mm. right? We lie down. We rest. <laughs> and if you can't do that, that's got to be really hard. So anyway, that was amazing. Thank you so much about that for all of that information. Can I ask what kind of trends may be happening in the food and beverage space? Mm.
1: So this one's interesting because China is rapidly becoming the world's largest market for healthy eating. Um, and notably healthy snacking is what we we talk about a lot. Um, so obviously, I don't think anybody can get through any kind of interview or talk conversation at the moment without mentioning the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it really has emphasized the importance of staying fit and being healthy to... Particularly the younger, more health conscious consumer in China. So, we've got millenn- millennials and Gen Z consumers who are very quickly back to their busy lives in China. We have to remember that the, the lockdown in China was very strict, but it was also very short. You know, it was only about three months, and then they were back to work, they were back to normal life, and we're all very envious of them, Um, but healthy snacking um, has become a really key trend because they become so much more aware of these busy lives that they're leading, but making sure that what they put into their body was good for them. So we saw more than 30 million consumers purchasing healthy food on Timor Global in 2020, that first year of the pandemic, which was a 30% rise on the previous year. And in particular, they were buying nuts, fresh vegetables, fruits. Um, and then Alibaba Health, we saw a 56% rise in healthy on-the-go foods. And these range from things like sesame balls to goji berry beverages um, to slimming shakes and meal replacements, all of which are really growing in popularity because of this sort of fragmented healthcare trend, which basically means that more Chinese consumers are looking for products to manage their health, but in their spare time. Um, and... This is kind of you know becoming fashionable as well. So we see like top tier cities like Shanghai and Beijing, major major trends in detox, in juice cleanse, in healthy foods in the last couple of years. Um, lots of natural juices, coconut water, super super popular. And I think also um, we we can't ignore the tea culture in China. Um, it's something that is been there forever. Um, And we sometimes joke about some of our international brands who are selling tea back to China. Um, But if we think about the way that we, we behave in the West, when we go for a drink, we go for a beer, we go for a coffee. In China, they go for a tea. And that continues through to consumers who are born post 90s post post 2000s they there are nearly 30% of them who are spending 400 rmb which is about 4 pounds about 5 us dollars a month on drinking new teas and going to high end new new tea shops and this trend of you know the zen tea culture which has been in china forever is really really popular and it's interesting in the way that Chinese consumers, particularly women, are coming to this because taking time out of your day and going to a tea house is actually enabling you to slow down for a moment and to pause and to actually take a moment for yourself. And that's a really integral part of wellness as well. So we're seeing, again, those categories blending together in China and being led by women.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, one of the things that we know is super popular in China as as we just talked about, is that sleep focus supplements and products? I wanted to revisit that and maybe see if I could tease out a couple of options, a couple of, of reasonings, if we can try to explain that. Can I get your thoughts on why you think this has become so popular? Is it all driven by need? Or is maybe there's some some want people are seeing an opportunity. Yeah, I sleep okay, but I could always sleep better. Do they understand the power of sleep? As I was mentioning before, do they feel the same way? Do they have that same cultural opinion on how important rest is? And what are customers telling you in the brands that you work with about this sleep focused supplements and products trend?
1: So, yes, Um, to answer your question, yes. Chinese and Asian consumers do have a really great importance on sleep. Sleep. They understand it. So when I first moved to Singapore, um, I did a regional role. I used to travel around Southeast Asia. And I remember the first time I went to Jakarta, I was in the office at lunchtime and people were sleeping. People were taking a nap at their desks. And I remember turning to my colleague and saying, what is going on? Why are they asleep? Why aren't they working? In Asia, they really understand that need to have a rest during the day. But it's coupled with this balance that they are trying to work really hard and have a great life and do great jobs for their company and provide for their families. So they're constantly working through this battle of understanding how important it is to rest and to sleep, but also needing to get a lot of things done. So this rise in sleep supplements, sleep aids is as a result of needing and wanting to live this life that we have now come to in 2022. Um, In terms of some of the brands that we work with, um, they totally recognize that there is a market there. And the brands that we work with are fantastic. They they really do put the customer first. Um, And one interesting one that we're working with at the moment is called This Works. And they're actually working with a pillow spray And they've been in China for a few years. And it is their pillow spray that is really appealing to the Chinese consumer. So when you go to sleep, just before you hit the pillow, you spray this beautiful lavender scent on your pillow and it helps you get to sleep. And they also have a product that helps you stay asleep for the insomniacs in the world. Um, And it's a really, really holistic way of approaching the sleep market. So brands really are tuning into the consumer and looking at ways that they can appeal to them and particularly to women um, to make it really easy. And it doesn't always have to be something you ingest. It can be something that you can experience.
0: Can you think of some trends in either the food and beverage or the health and wellness areas that we know are particularly popular in the West? But have yet to catch on in China, and I know this is unfairly asking you to look into a crystal ball that you likely don't own. Do you expect some of these trends that are popular outside of China to become popular in China, and, and what those might be?
1: Yeah, sure. So one of the biggest trends that is coming from the West out to China is plant-based. Um, it, like personally, I'm a lifelong vegetarian. And I remember 2018, when I moved back from Singapore to London, I couldn't believe how many more options there were in all of the cafes and restaurants for plant based meals. Um, And this has just exploded in the West, right? Everywhere you look, everything is plant-based. But we're also now seeing that move to China. So that shift is happening. Um, There's a real boom in plant-based milks, alternative milks, particularly amongst young people, um, because things like oat milk are seen as really healthy, low-fat alternatives. Um, At Tmall and Tmall Global, plant-based milks are 24% of the entire beverages category. Um, And the approach is different as well. Chinese consumers are not looking for um, an alternative to milk. They're looking for a nice tasting drink because they don't wake up in the morning and have cereal like we do. Um, They they consume foods differently. So they're looking for great tasting oat milks, almond milks, coconut milks to get that Healthy beverage into them, and if we look at the success of Swedish brand Oatly, who have absolutely solidified their position in the China market with their products being available across you know ten thousand coffee shops in China because of their partnership with Starbucks as well as Timor flagship stores. Um, so that that is a huge area of popularity. And what it actually links quite nicely to or quite quite logically to is that actually over 90% of Chinese consumers are lactose intolerant. So that aids the rise in this trend towards veganism. Um, And it's very much the same with plant based meats. Um, The China plant based meat industry is forecast to grow 200 percent over the next five years, according to a white paper, which was published by Bloomberg Business and Starfield Food Science and Technology, which is actually one of mainland China's most well funded plant based meat companies and is founded by Kiki Wu who is one of a number of women who are leading food tech businesses in China, which I found super interesting um, because you've got, like you said earlier, women are, you know, running the roost in China. You know, it's traditionally been the case that they are the cook in the house, but now it's flipping and women are innovating the types of foods that are being brought to market in China, which not only benefit our health, but also benefit the planet too.
0: Now, your title, Head of Business Development for Health and Wellness and Food and Beverage Brands at Alibaba Group, UK and Nordics, and it's that last part which I want to key on here. What is the perception of products from the UK and Nordic countries in that area of the world? Are there a few product categories you can tell us about beyond the ones that we've just discussed that are particularly attractive to Chinese consumers among both men and women?
1: Yes, Chinese consumers really really appreciate products from the uk and nordics for the quality of their ingredients brand britain actually is very very popular in china um We saw a 13% year-on-year growth of British products selling on 11.11 Global Shopping Festival in 2021. And it is vitamins and supplements that sees a massively strong demand. Um, Brand Britain is perceived as good quality, authentic products. Um, It's the same for the Nordics. Um, Anyone that's been to the Nordics will know as soon as you step off the plane, even just smelling the clean quality of the air, um, just just breathes health um, into you. So Chinese consumers really appreciate products from Denmark, Sweden, Norway, um, and very popular from those markets are fish oils. Um, We've got a fantastic brand um, from Sweden called Elixir Pharma, who do phenomenally well with their fish oils in China. And um, another brand that I did actually mention earlier, but Vitabiotics from the UK, they're a really brilliant example of a brand who are tapping into both men and women in China to solve another problem, um, which is the increasing amount of time that we spend on a screen. So VisionAce uh, is one of their lutein eye health products. Um, they did a, a live stream um, with a key opinion leader um, in 2021. And within three minutes, they had sold um, 60,000 pounds or 80,000 US dollars of their Vision Ace product. Um the Vision Ace product basically supports lutein health in the eyes. So if we're spending lots and lots of time staring at a screen, um, this is getting blue light into our eyes, which is very bad. Traditionally, Vision Ace would be purchased by an older consumer in the in the West, um, a consumer that is already experiencing macular degeneration. But again, that Chinese consumer, male and female, is very aware that they need to protect their eyes at an earlier age, which has been a really powerful way for the brand to transform their, their business in China and think a bit differently about how the Chinese consumer approaches a brand.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about International Women's Day in China. It's obviously a major event. Where does it register in China? Can you tell us a little bit about was it it didn't originate in China, I don't think, but they've they've definitely adopted it. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's resonating and how popular and how big it is in China? Of
1: course. So International Women's Day didn't originate in China. But International Women's Day in China is of great importance. It was actually first officially recognized in 1949 after the founding of the People's Republic in China, Um, and it is recognized as an official holiday for women in China. So um, females in China, they get half a day off. Um, It's really common for women to receive gifts from their company. Um, handwritten cards, perhaps showing appreciation. It's actually something that female Alibaba employees around the world very generously receive. Um, So the 8th of March in China is a huge celebration of not only women achieving in economics, politics, social, but it's a huge occasion for women to celebrate and to be celebrated. So like you found out there, it it is an occasion for men to often show how grateful they are for the women in their lives. Um, That can be their wives and their mothers. It's kind of, it it combines all of these other celebrations within one day. Um, So yeah, men will typically buy presents for their wives and mothers, their daughters. Uh, Women get half a day off. So they love to go and have have lunch together, go to a spa, enjoy um, having a nice time. Um, only half a day. It's only half a day, but you know what? It's more than we get in the UK or or Canada. So I guess we, true. we we yeah we can't complain. They can't. Complain.
0: They did. They deserve half a month, <laughs> honey. I hope you're listening. <laughs>
1: But yeah, China and its its celebration of International Women's Day is also a really big day for brands and consumers. Like we say, it's it's observed through gifting. So um, by having the 3.8, 8 um, the March 8th campaign on our China retail marketplaces, Tmall and Tmall Global, um, it gives brands the opportunity to offer products that men can buy for women but also women can buy themselves let's not forget how uh, successful women are in China or China is home to two-thirds of the um, female billionaires in the world Um, so they can very much shop for themselves um, and on this day women's day um women are looking for things and they're being able to buy products that range from you know basic female um fmcg products right through to luxury fashion um cars and watches there's many different things that women love to spoil themselves with on international women's day it's a it's a really important day in china and should be increasingly so in the rest of the world i think
0: Yes, yes, it should. It really should. I'm not sure there's going to be an International Men's Day coming along anytime soon, though. That's for (laughs) sure. I wanted to touch on and potentially juxtapose the demographics of, let's say, the older consumers. And I'm not sure how where where that line in the sand should be drawn, but you know, from, from and from the younger consumers. Now we know that a lot of brands in the West are seeing some gaudy numbers around the consumerism of the young Gen Z female consumers and, and they're making sure and almost making a point of that product suite and their branding is resonating with that consumer group. Would you mind maybe telling us a little bit a, about what do the Gen Z female consumers really care about in China right now? And how does that differ from their older counterparts?
1: It's really important that brands are looking towards the demands of Gen Z, millennial female consumers in China. If we take Tmall Global alone, around 70% of our consumers are female. If we look at the age demographics of consumers who are shopping on Timor Global, of our consumers are under 39. So that line in the sand as to what is an older consumer in China is 40 and above. Um, So 85% of our consumers are under 39. 59% of those consumers are under 30. So it's really, really interesting that brands focus on that area because that is the future consumer and that is the majority consumer today. Um, I think we could talk for hours and hours about the difference between young female consumers and older female consumers in China. Um, there are so many different elements. And I think the first thing to remember is that the Gen Z consumer today grew up digitally native. Their engagement with apps is super high um, Consumers in China are spending 30 minutes a day with our China retail marketplaces alone. They come to us up to nine times a day. And that is because of the amount of content that is available on our platforms. In China, shopping is all about discovery. It's about education. It's about entertainment. The customer journey is completely different to the West. We love to call it shop attainment. You know, and most recently, we've been hearing a lot about the metaverse and what that is opening up as this new reality for the Gen Z consumer who has known nothing other than shopping online. Um, because it, the metaverse is blending this best of physical and digital shopping together. Um, so brands really need to look at ways that are tapping into them, whether that's using AI, AR, avatars, um different ways of engaging them constantly. Um, and that ranges, of, of course, across the different sectors. Um, if we look at Tmall in 2020, 80% of the top new brands were focused on female consumer needs. And again, it's that, it's that cross category. Women are shopping and women have the ability to shop for themselves nowadays. Um, the split again between older and younger is really interesting. Um, one thing, like I, when I was doing the research, um, I, I looked at the the trend of dancing grannies in China. Um, so there are meant to be like around 100 million dancing grannies who do square dancing. And anyone that's been to China, I'm sure will have seen this, um, particularly like on a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. It's not just China, it's all of Asia. Um, and it's uh, this square dancing that kind of has roots in the cultural revolution in the 60s. And so it's a really great way for um older women to come out and, you know, be active and be social and have a really good quality of life and enjoy themselves. But then we look at the younger consumer in China, particularly the young female consumer in China for whom fitness and weights and yoga have become some of like the hottest topics that they're searching on social media since the pandemic. Um, we see that rise in people shopping for sportswear and athleisure products. Uh, we see women who uh in China, weren't so into going to the gym. Um, it's still a little bit of an intimidating environment. But through the pandemic, women were coming to the connected fitness apps, such as Keep in China, um, which has made fitness and working out and sport way more accessible to women um it's far less intimidating and again go back to the olympics um tokyo summer olympics last year and the beijing winter olympics in 2022 really thrust women into the forefront and it's much cooler sports that that are being taken up so skateboarding figure skating skiers snowboarders um they're really coming to the forefront and they're becoming super popular and they're em- enabling women in china to engage with sport um so one example would be um a really famous uh, chinese sports brand xstep who are now sponsoring the chinese break dancing team and it's really fantastic that we see also the China government getting behind sport in China. Um, in 2015, they pledged to support football in China. And this year we saw the Chinese women win the Asia Women's Football Cup, which is a fantastic achievement. And it's brilliant that the whole country from a government level are supporting sport and changing the lives of young women in China vastly from what it was like for their for their even their mothers, but certainly their grandmothers. Um, So there's a lot to do with activity and sport and health. Uh, But there's also a lot around, you know, just being more aware of their bodies. Female consumers are, you know, struggling with sleep, like we spoke about earlier. And there's a trend in China going on called um, lying flat, where Chinese are looking towards Just slowing down and taking up hobbies like yoga, like plant care, like um, going for tea in Zen tea houses. So they've got this real, real kind of cacophony of different trends that, are appealing to them as young female in females in China and it's so different from from the past the the Gen Z the millennial and even the alpha consumer in China who is very very quickly going to become a really dominant um, demographic they are so different to to their foremothers and the importance that we place on international women's day the importance on health the importance on sport and their ability to purchase and to engage is so different than it is than it was for their for their um, mothers and grandmothers that it's going to be such an interesting um, way to such an interesting category to watch going forward
0: may i ask the term alpha consumer i haven't heard that before can you tell me a little bit about who that is Mm, the
1: alpha is under 18 today so it's what we're going to get. So we've obviously had the Gen X, then we had the millennial, we've had the Gen Z. So next we're going to get the, the alpha. So these are your sort of teenagers right now who are obviously very soon going to become young adults and have their own, their own finance and their own jobs and be able to start shopping and engaging with these brands.
0: Across all these trends that we're discussing and these 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 consumer categories and whatnot are you seeing any differences in between and and I want to dive into a little bit of geography differentiation okay so the differences maybe between first and second tier cities versus third and fourth the fifth and sixth it goes on if you could talk a little bit about the differences amongst those geography demographics
1: Yeah, this is a really interesting one. So Timor and Timor Global has historically always catered to the tier one and two cities. Um, We have another platform called Kaula, which we acquired about two years ago, three years ago. Um, That traditionally catered to the tier three and four cities. Um, But the pandemic shifted all of this. Um, We have seen so many more Chinese who have become wealthier, who have moved to shopping online, Uh, the pandemic, the lockdown meant that stores were shut as they were in the rest of the world. So consumers who would traditionally have gone to the store, um, they have started shopping online. So one example we saw with this was um, our rural China initiative. So when the pandemic, when the lockdown first happened in China, there were obviously thousands and thousands of farmers in China who would normally have sold their goods to stores. of course, they couldn't because the stores were shut. So Alibaba worked with them to set them up, um, to set up rural China farmers live streaming. So farmers were able to get hold of the technology, start live streaming from their farms um, and obviously save their products, save their income, but also to provide products to those tier three, four city consumers who would normally have gone to a store. So that shift is really happening. Um, We're seeing trends, you know, the initial trends on Timor Global that were really, really popular were mother and baby products, um, cosmetics, beauty, personal care. We see those being like the first things that consumers come to shop online. That's now shifting into tier three and four cities as well. Um, consumers are finding that they get a really exciting experience. And like I just mentioned, it's, it's a consumer now who has grown up with a phone in their hand. They don't really know a world where shopping wasn't that easy um so tier three four cities are very much starting to shop online more and it's easy for food um it's easy for mother baby diapers infant milk formulas um and it's easy for cosmetics because they're small they're lightweight you know they're not too expensive to purchase online um so they have the opportunity to try and live streaming is helping them to shop as well because live streamers um For anyone that's not experienced a live stream, it's a wholly immersive shop attainment experience um, where you you watch an influencer, a key opinion leader, talk about a product, um, explain all about the brand, explain um, how to use that product and um, perhaps demonstrate it. So if it's food, they'll have a cooking demonstration. If it's a lipstick, they'll have a makeup artistry session. Um, And the consumer from tier one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, even cities in China can understand that brand, understand that product. It's like having a sales associate in your hand. You can talk to them on the live stream. You know, you can leave emojis. You can ask questions about that lipstick. You know, would it look great if my hair has got pink highlights in it? You know, how how can I keep that lipstick staying on my my lips for longer? And you can give feedback as a consumer. Um, We've seen brands who have actually developed their own R&D from the feedback that they've received from consumers in live streaming. So the technology that is evolving in China, um, the pace of movement, that digitally native consumer is meaning that different tier and more tier cities are shopping online um, and coming to experience that very interactive and blend of digital and physical shopping.
0: been a wonderful guest filled with amazing insights and data which i'm always always very grateful to when when guests have that kind of knowledge and so you've been an absolutely superb guest i can't thank you enough for coming on the show
1: thanks so much todd i've really enjoyed speaking to you today and happy international women's day to all of the women out there
0: growing a company is hard doing it in a foreign market exponentially so The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope that you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands just like yours enter China.